Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Secrets of the Sire. We do this every week uh, on TalkingAlternative.com. We talk comics, movies, TV, music, pop culture, everything you want to talk about. Uh, we are talking about it, and uh, we welcome all our Periscope folks. Dan T. Lawson, I'll be at Comic-Con. I'll have to say hi. It's a great segue. I'll be at New York Comic-Con. We'll all be at New York Comic-Con. Uh, well, not we all will be. I will definitely be um, at Comic-Con. Booth 1166. Uh, I got a really cool Yankee exclusive. Got a really cool Yankee story as well, too. I'll share with that in a little bit. I got a, uh, a, a mom of a, a baby bomber mama who uh, reached out to me and wants one of those exclusives that I've got. So it was actually a pretty cool pretty cool week. And welcome at Jersey Jedi, who happens to also be an executive producer on the show. No, he wasn't on the exclusive uh, chat today, though. I'm not sure why. But that's okay. We'll forgive Brian Phillips today. Just today. Uh, but yeah, we do this every week. It's a lot of fun. Uh, we're going to be talking Luke Cage. We got Dangerous Dan Leister coming on. We got New York Comic Con. We got Wolverine. Now we got at Espada Primera Stark who joined as well. Uh, a loyal listener uh, every week, which is awesome. Um, and more. We do this live. So. I'm going to post that on the Facebook page. You go to facebook.com slash secrets of the sire. You can stream us live. You can stream us live on Periscope at Michael underscore Dolce. That's me, your host, D-O-L-C-E. And, uh, of course, you can go to talkingalternative.com. Now, I want to give a shout out before we do anything. Uh, we got a great show tonight. We have a really, really cool show. But uh, Secrets of the Sire is brought to you by our beloved patrons, our patreon.com backers. We really we love all you guys. You actually help keep the show going. Uh, we have dedicated fans, Einar Peterson and Ashley Haikai. We have our program director, Stephanie Dolce. We have our executive producer, Steve Hovecki, who is joined by new executive producer, Brian Phillips. And as always, we have Uber fan, Christina Dolce, who will always be jumping on at some point to check us out. So uh, we love it. Uh, do you want your name shouted on the interwebs, just like I just did here? You're, you'll be on iTunes. You'll be on Google Play. You'll be on YouTube. You'll be on Facebook. Uh, we, we average, you know, over 12,000, 13,000 streams a month. So uh, you'll have your name kind of broadcast out to the masses. Uh, we end up getting a lot of people from, like, other countries, though, too, and they're always like, what is this? Like, that, that, is, a, that is a, like, common comment I get on the Facebook page. But, you know, it is what it is. But, hey, you could be... Uh, hey, we welcome at Slick Mick DeRuler, who's an average at best fantasy football player. Um, no, I'm only kidding. He's actually really good, except he's never won uh, the office pool yet. But he will. He will. And Mike Dolce is my hero. He writes back, which is good. $2 patrons get a copy of the show outline before we go to air and access to our library of interviews. We have like Chris Cornell. We have Kevin Bacon. I'm trying to get a, a really big guest uh, next week. We'll see how that goes. Uh, you may have heard of her. Uh, she's been in movies and stuff like, you know, things that you like. Um, at Dan T. Lawson. I'll see you tomorrow. I'll be dressed as one of the impractical jokers. That's a really hard costume to pull off at Comic-Con. Yeah, this is Comic-Con week. I mean, this has just been a frenzied week for me, just getting uh, things ready to go and uh, just drop my stuff off at the Javits Center tonight, um, you know, which I also felt kind of odd about because it's just basically a suitcase full of stuff and I just kind of leave it there because I don't need to set it up because I share a booth with somebody else and he brings a second table. Um, so booth 1166, if you guys are going to be there at all this weekend. Um, but it's just funny because I feel like a terrorist a little bit and I dropped it off like right at the end. So, you know, A, I assume no one's going to steal it because, you know, I mean, if you really love The Sire, which is my superhero comic book, then by all means, you know, dig in and, 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 and rip it off. But, um, you know, actually, no, just come and buy it. Just come and buy it. Don't steal it from me. It'll be great. All right. This is a call-in show. It's 877-480-4120, secretsofthesire.com. We can talk a little pol politic about Trump. Oh, Trump at Ahmed Alou just wants to talk politics. We will talk politics, but we will not be talking about election politics just yet. Um, we're gonna wait till November to do that because you know, we're not November, but you, you know what I'm talking about. We'll go to the end of the end of the month. We have some great guests coming up this month, though. Uh, I got Derek Becker from uh, the awesome podcast, um, which I obviously just slipped my, my my brain, but hopefully he's not listening today. Um, uh, oh God, what is the name of his podcast? It's, well, it's awesome, and he's awesome, so he's going to be on uh, next week. We've also got um, one of the uh, guys who works for The Walking Dead is actually going to be on, and that's awesome too. You can't you can't beat that. I realize the Facebook page 
is not getting the live radio show now that now it is. Look at that. Oh, boy. Brian Everham just joined. We love you guys as well, too. All right. We're going to get right into it. Uh, call us up, 877-480-4120. Let's not forget our awesome guest tonight, Dan Leister. Just kicked off his Werewolf Run comic book as well, too, so we're going to talk about that. All right. So we have so much to get into. Um, I don't even know if we're going to have the time, but that's not a problem because we'll be broadcasting twice this week. Two times. Uh, in honor of New York Comic Con, and uh, it's at the Javits Center, just like I said. We'll be broadcasting live again tomorrow night, 7 p.m., from the Javits Center. So, uh, you know, if you can't make it to the show, that's okay. We'll be there. We'll be at the Comics Tribe booth. We'll have Tyler James and Joe Mulvey and a host of other surprise guests, and they'll be talking about all the cool stuff they do. Their company is really awesome. It's really admirable. Um, It's funny, like, so Dan and I, Dan Leister and I have worked together for, you know, he actually did this awesome banner back there. He worked on the Sire. We worked on a bunch of things together. I love getting people on that I've worked with. I've never actually worked with anybody at Comics Tribe, but I've been watching them and talk about a grassroots company that's really, really making it big. And Tyler James and Joe Mulvey are like Kickstarter, like masters, like they just know how to run a Kickstarter campaign. Um, And it's a new face of the industry. So we're going to talk about all that stuff tomorrow. But first, tonight, Luke Cage. All right, we're getting into Luke Cage a little bit here. Um, I'm three episodes in. Uh, I don't know how anybody can binge it. I I mean, maybe people can binge it, but with a kid and a job and a... Well, multiple jobs and this and and drawing and art, you know, all this really, you know, I got three episodes in. Sam and I were actually talking, I have my trusty engineer Sam back here as well too, and we were talking before the show um, about Luke Cage. And he, you know, the first comment he kind of said, you know, was it's pretty, like it's a pretty black show, like it really is. And it's not like a, not like a, oh my God, it's like, you know, it's funny how people can be like, you know, turned off by words these days. And we'll talk about Tim Burton a little bit later. Um, He kind of had a a public snafu. Um, But, you know, it is a very black show. It's pretty dope. (laughs) I mean, it's pretty daring. Um, it's predominantly all black uh, cast, um, and it's kind of interesting, though. That's the beauty of the show, though, in a way, right? And we were kind of talking about this. The safety harness that is Marvel and the Marvel Universe, right? And and look, I'm not going to pretend, uh, and we welcome at Joe6363 talking Luke Cage here. I'm not going to pretend that I would be watching Luke Cage if it wasn't a Marvel show. Uh, the Wire is one of the all-time greatest shows of all time. I never watched it. Of course, I've never watched Breaking Bad and never watched Sopranos, so it's not like a race thing. It's just, yeah, I know. Well, I've seen episodes of Sopranos. Stan is kind of like, uh, you know, he's like shunning me in the corner now for not having watched it. No, I watched the finale of Sopranos. I caught a couple of, never been a big gangster, mafia kind of guy. So, you know, Luke Cage is kind of like vigilante man on the street. Now, I, I loved Punisher as a comic book, and that's kind of similar in that sense of, you know, mafia but with the exception of like a punisher thing i've never really been big into these kind of shows but that's the beauty of marvel right it's like you can do things like have just an predominantly if not all black cast with the exception of the oh see sam's only watched the first episode so i don't want to spoil i don't want to spoil anything for anybody um again i'm only three episodes in so you guys could probably spoil it for me um but the uh partner of misty knight is he's He's something. He's ethnic, but he's not. He's white. He's something. I don't know. He, you know, I don't know. Is he white? Is he black? I don't know. Uh, we have that. We also have um, uh, Sh- uh, what is it? Shades or whatever his name is, who works for Diamondback, who who kind of comes onto the scene. Now that's not spoiling anything. He's just a character that hasn't been introduced yet. Until, I think he's introduced in the second episode. Um, now he's definitely a white guy. He reminds me of somebody too, and I can't think of who it is. Um, oh, he was in the first episode. Okay, good, good. All right, so predominantly, so got to got to right right off the bat, got to give it its props um, for for carving out a niche. Got to also question how, how far are they going to go in this thing too, because they are all in on the sex, the violence, and the N word. Now the N word, I have never had a problem with it in the hip hop sense of it. Look, I'm a white dude. You can obviously see that. You're streaming me live on Facebook.com/slash Secrets of the Sire. You're streaming me live at Michael underscore Dolce at per, at, at Periscope. I never had a problem with um, Shades with Son of Anarchy. He was in that show. He was Juice. I, I, he's definitely, thank you, Brian Everham. Uh, he definitely um, just he looks so familiar. I couldn't place it, but I knew he was out there. Uh, you know, they're definitely going in with the, I mean, this is an adult show. I mean, at the end of the day, this is an adult show. I don't know if that's a good thing or not. It's a cool thing for us adults, but would you show this to a 13-year-old kid? I wouldn't show this kid to it. Uh, this is definitely this is not PG thirteen stuff, and we're not even just talking the boobs, which we always love boobs. M- mind you, the boobs are digitally erased. The the nipples, there is no actual nipples. There's no nipples. Free the nip 
or don't free the nip. I don't know. Um, but there's no nipples in the show, but there's definitely like racy sex. There's, I mean, it's, look, don't get me wrong. It's not anything worse than you'd see on FX. It's not even anything worse you'd see after eight o'clock on a, on a primetime uh, network as well, too. I mean, that's, you know, that's definitely, you know, part and parcel of, of the deal here. So it's not, I mean, it's not anything out of the ordinary, but it's a Marvel show. I mean, that's the thing that's kind of like striking to me when I'm watching this. Uh, it's a very Tarantino um, show. First of all, it's very, very Tarantino, uh, and it's and it's in a good way. I love Tarantino. I'm a big Tarantino fan. Uh, they definitely, I mean, the music, the 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 you know, like that, like the as as if we're watching like Django Unchained or we're watching. Uh, I don't know if it's Pulp Fiction, but what was the last? Oh, like Kill Bill. I mean, yeah, it has that Tarantino just influence all about it, and I love it. I love it. The Biggie Smalls, everyone talks about that. Uh, you, Sam, actually talked about the Biggie shot where uh, Cottonmouth was standing, you know, it behind, and then when he stepped forward, the crown fit on top of him. That is like Tarantino, but you're not the first person that said that. Um, so many people made reference to it. Uh, super fan Keith McCormick, who was on our show a few weeks ago, he and I were talking the other day, and he was saying, you know, you know, very, very Tarantino and awesome, like that in a good way. Um, but again, this is a Marvel show. Like, this is Marvel going Tarantino. Uh, Daredevil kind of set the standard. Yeah, look, it's going to be bloody, it's going to be brutal, it's going to be honest. But I think Daredevil kind of like towed the line a little bit. Jessica Jones kind of raised the bar a little bit, but ultimately, you know, psychologically, it was a psychological thriller, Jessica Jones. And look, it's meant, look, Luke Cage and Jessica Jones, look, they're meant to be. Uh, more adult. I get it. I'm not. I'm not upset with that, and, and I'm not even upset. I'm just questioning because it's a Marvel property. You're going to have teenagers. You're going to have ten year olds that want to watch Luke Cage. You know, as a parent, are you going to let them watch it? I personally wouldn't. I mean, you know, I just wouldn't. I mean, you got people getting their heads blown off, like really ultra violent. That first scene. Uh, in the first episode, when the when the drug deal goes goes wrong, hello McMillan Johnny from Edinburgh, Scotland. Welcome to Secrets of the Sire. We're talking Luke Cage uh, for anybody just joining us in here. But um, I don't know. I, I just I definitely think I wouldn't I wouldn't be showing my my kid the show. It just it just it's it's graphic. I mean it's it's adult, and then that's the fine line. I mean that's kind of like. We get our wish list in a sense, right? We get our we get our like our, our wish fulfillment when we were kids. We're like, oh, they should make a gritty this and a gritty that. I am really curious what they're going to do with Punisher now. I mean, look at the lines that they're crossing. Don't get me wrong, Garth Ennis's Punisher, uh, Marvel Max's Punisher is up there as one of my all time favorite serial comics. Serial in the sense that. He would just tell good stories. It would be a certain mob boss he was going after, and he'd have certain you know obstacles he'd have to overcome to kill a certain mob boss and do all these things. But, I mean, it was graphic. I mean, really ultra-bloody graphic. What are they going to do for that? Is it right to do it? I want to know what you guys think. Uh, chime in on Periscope, at Michael underscore Dolce. Chime in on Facebook.com. You can always call in 877-480-4120. When we come back, we're going we're gonna to jump right from blood to blood. We're going to have Werewolf Run creator Daniel Leister. He's got an awesome Kickstarter. Uh, I did actually do a little bit of work on this, but this is all Dan. Uh, this is Dan's baby. We're going to talk horror. We're going to talk werewolf. And then we'll get back to Luke Cage uh, as well when we return. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Hello, I'm JC. I'm Joan. And, and welcome, welcome to, to 21st, 21st Century Entrepreneur. Entrepreneur. We bring education, insight, knowledge, awareness, trouble, craziness, and fun for you, the entrepreneur who's looking to build your business and your community. Listen every Friday from noon to 1 Eastern on talkradio.nyc. And you can tweet us at 21st CE Radio or Talk Alternative. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day.
Welcome back, Secrets of the Sire. We do this every week, talking movies, comics, TV. We'll talk politics and sports at some point, because I can talk about sports all day long. And we'll talk politics, because the election is just, uh, just, it's just hilarious. But, uh, but first, we're going to talk horror. Well, actually, I guess we could talk election and talk horror at the same time, right? Now, we're going to talk horror. We're going to switch gears for a little bit. Uh, we're going to welcome a uh, longtime collaborator, really good friend of mine, Dan Leister, to the show. Welcome aboard, Dan. What's going on, man? Uh, just, you know, just doing a radio show in New York City. Just, you know, just hanging just out. a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Just, do, just doing a little bit there. We welcome uh, all of our Periscope people at Dennis Ursoy. Oh, boy. I'm just going to butcher people's names constantly. Uh, all right, so, Dan, let's talk about your, uh, your Kickstarter. You got an awesome book. It's called Werewolf Run. Uh, mm-hmm. I obviously know very much about it because I did, like, the letters and the editing on it. But, just uh, a little. Just but, a little bit. So, yeah. uh, you know, I know a little bit about it. But all of our viewers, they don't know. All of our listeners, they don't know. So give us, give us the elevator pitch. What is Werewolf Run, and why should they be pledging this Kickstarter? Uh, it's a lot of fun, actually. Um, it's basically the quick and short uh, story is that it's a horror book. It's based on a uh, corporate entity trying to capture a werewolf for experimentation, and on the way to the laboratory, everything goes horribly wrong. Horribly, horribly wrong. Horribly, horribly, horribly. So wrong. it's very, very there's tame. There's a lot of blood in the book. Yeah, there's. It's, it's very tame. There's no blood. Tame. There's no you know no over the top violence or anything, right? <laughs> I know. I heard you guys talking about that a little bit with all the Luke Cage stuff. That show looks so cool, though. Have you seen any of it yet, or no? Nope. Oh, did we lose Dan? Nope. I got here. Oh, have you seen any of Luke Cage yet, or no? No, no. I, uh, we're trying to shoot through the last of Game of Thrones. Oh, we'll talk about oh, that. Game of Thrones is just great. Oh, all right. That's a, that's another show altogether. All right. Back yeah. to Werewolf Run a second. I love the backstory of this. Uh, you you know you talk about it on the Kickstarter. Your dad. Basically, was just a big. Uh, it was like showing you like a like wh- which movie was he showing you? It was like a werewolf movie we, back when you were a kid. This, it was just when I was a kid, and uh, we were what the Howling was on one night, okay. and I'm sitting there playing with my GI Joes, <laughs> and then like Richard Picardo's like the main werewolf started changing, and mm-hmm. his face started bubbling, and his hands came out, and then scared the living crap out of me when I was a kid. He's just like, watch, watch it. I'm like, I don't want to watch it. I just want to play with my G.I. Joe. <laughs> and uh, just that alone just scared the hell out of me. And and then later on, um, I saw uh, American Warriors of London and just other stuff like that where just really, it all was about the same time that it came out. So yeah. It really sunk its teeth in me, I guess you'd say. So subliminally, you've been, you've been planning this book since you were 10. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> uh, talk about the Kickstarter itself. I know you guys, we just launched it, what is it, it's a Saturday. Uh, how's it yep, going so yep, far? I think yesterday. so far, so good, right? No, yeah, it's been going unbelievable. We're already over 3,000 um, on our way to half of our goal already in two days, so it's going fantastic. And this is kind of like a dream come true for you in a way because this is the first book that you've ever actually written yourself as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I wanted to keep it really short and simple. Four-issue miniseries we're going to put into a trade. Okay. And when you got into the writing process, was it scary to, to, to go from like the artist table to the writer's table? The, the writing wasn't, but when I actually went to go draw the pages, like you have so much crap built up in your head, <laughs> you're writing it. You're just like, oh shit! I got to draw this now. Oh. Well, that, that's actually that's a great point. Now you've been working in comics. Uh, we welcome at Honey Basher, and we wac- welcome the Cap. The Cap is actually on the show as well too. I don't know if you remember him from one of our shows back in uh, in Wizard World Chicago. Um, he's uh, watching us on Facebook right now. But um, I, I'm watching you too, Mike. Wait, hi. Oh, uh, uh, oh, see, it's a little bit of a delay though. It's kind of weird, right? Like I'm actually talking because you're on the phone with me and you can hear me, and then the Facebook mm-hmm. the Facebook feed eventually catches up. It's, there, there's like a like a few second delay. Yeah. yeah, there you go. There you, you did that. See, I just did the wave. I know. I know. This is a, we could just do this for an entire show. Like this is this is how you make like Emmy award winning radio. <laughs> like we should win awards for this. Um, I know. I know. So is is that the banner behind you that I did? Oh yes. Uh, so I got that thing. Wow. 
But I actually broke it out for this show. I was like, you know, I need a backdrop, and uh, I couldn't think of uh, anything better to do. So wait, this is the first time you're streaming. <laughs> you're, you're you're streaming the show for the first time. Then see, this is what I love. This is like this is like the conversation I have with my dad, and my dad's like, "Hey, did you notice that George Takai is uh, that George Takai's character is gay in Star Wars?" I'm like, "Yeah, Dad, we did an entire show on it. Thanks for listening." <laughs> way, way to go. No, um, no, that's fine. You can't uh, be up on everything in the world. Well, I mean, you know, you could watch or listen to his son's show. It's it's eight o'clock. Though to be fair, he listened to it when we were on Fridays, Friday mornings. Uh, when we were on the mm-hmm. Friday at noon, and we or Friday at eleven, he was he was on top of that. Wednesday at eight o'clock, he's probably asleep right now, and I can't Not so much. I can't blame him at all for that. Um, all right, you know, it's a good thing though. So this is the first book you're writing, but take me through your, uh, you know, I mean, you've been you've been doing comics for a while, and I want to hear. I want to hear the story of when you made the leap to doing it full time because I think that's a really inspirational story for a lot of people who are maybe not just even doing comics but just want to be entrepreneurs or working for their working for themselves or doing the thing that they love to do. So give me a quick backstory on how you got where you got, and then talk me talk to me about the day you you made the leap to becoming like a full time artist. Well, you told me to keep it short and quick, so I'll try to do best. Well, I just can. concise, concise is concise is the word. You know, let's you know. I don't need to I mean, know about it. your college dorm room days. I just need to know you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I've been trying to get into the industry for a while, going to the uh, uh, Wizard World shows in Chicago and such, talking to editors and stuff, which was a lot of fun. Uh, but nothing really ever happened. And then uh, one year, the they did a Wizard World draw Wolverine or draw Wolverine contest for mm-hmm. Marvel, and uh, my friend Ryan Bodenheim got first place, and I got second place. And then through that, I was introduced to Darren Sanchez, who you know and worked with at yep. Wizard. Mm-hmm. And we, I got Celestial Alliance book through that. And then through that, I met you. That's right. And, and your life has never been the same. Together. Your so life has never been the same. <laughs> Say that. Was it like a year or so that we worked on that book? I mean, it's a little longer than that. We, I, I actually reached out to you. I pinged you in like 2005. The book didn't come out till 2006, and then you worked on it through till 2007. So it was a good two years of wow, uh, so wild. Okay. labor of love. But you were actually working a part-time job while you were doing yeah. Sire at the same time. Yep. So Cleaning out, uh, you know those pumps that they hook up to people to feed them intravenously? Yes. I was cleaning those pumps. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, Sam just put his coffee down. He's like, ah, I'm not going to drink that yeah, now. I don't feel like drinking it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's mostly, wouldn't be like too much blood or anything on them, but just crap all over them. But, uh, and so you're doing that, and then, so you were just really inspired to become an artist because of this. I mean, you had to be, right? I mean, just because you, uh, you just didn't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Um, it wasn't a bad job or anything. It was like, you kind of mindless and got to listen to music and just do your own thing. But, uh, I got fired from that job, burning the midnight oil, uh, drawing too much, and I overslept a couple too many times and lost that job. And then I got this, I uh, started working at this like call center, uh-huh. and I was going through a month-long training for that crap. Yeah. And I did, after your book, I did this other like two issues of like a uh, a cattle drive book for a company, and... Um, I remember that, actually. An Aztec book, which no one will ever see, probably. <laughs> um, but they paid pretty the check, well. The checks cleared. And then um, while I was waiting for the checks for those to come in, I got the offer to do the Wonderland series from Zenoscope because mm-hmm. uh, you and I have been doing a lot of different conventions. And I met uh, Raven Gregory and talked to a couple of the Zenoscope guys, and the guy that they had doing the book had some family issues and he was able to continue and they offered me the book and and I was in the the part the the job the training sitting in the back just thinking about it I could do this and then go home and burn the midnight oil some more for a couple months and see how it goes or I have this money coming in it's going to last a couple months I'll have this job for six months maybe just quit this job and go full hog. And I was like, hmm, let me think. And then I walked right up to the front and said, I've got to go. Wow. <laughs> and they're like, you, you, you sure? You, you can't come back if you leave. I'm like, I hope I can't come back. <laughs> <laughs> I never want to come back. Right, that- 10 years, in, uh, this past April, it's been 10 years that I quit. 
That's amazing too, and that's and that's a great story. And I always love when we talk about it too, because you know I recently made the leap too to just basically working for myself, and it's it's the fear, the fear in the back of your head of where's the money going to come from, and can I support myself, and can I bring business well, I mean, in? Hopefully, before you make that leap, you have a few different avenues or at right. least ideas that you're working on to get that coming in. And the the part of the fear is that you're basically moving into a glass house. You can see everything coming at you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. No, no question about it. It's it's a great leap, and it's something that's that's pretty exciting. Um, what's your favorite horror movies? We're gonna just get back to your werewolf run for a second. I'm, I'm oh, curious. That I'm would curious. be that would be a good idea, wouldn't it? Yeah. Well, we don't have to. We're gonna get back. We're gonna get. We're actually gonna tell the convention story about how Dan Riley saved you from uh, falling over an escalator because of the 151 Bacardi you brought to the room. But we'll get into that. Whatever. Story. Whatever. <laughs> we'll get into that story too, uh, as well. But um, what? Uh, yeah. Just what's what are some of your favorite horror movies and horror books and and you know cool things like that? Uh, I've been actually putting together a list of those for the uh, the campaign to kind of have some fun with. Mm-hmm. I remember, do you remember the old Creepshow comic book that came out that Stephen King wrote and Bernie Wrightson drew? Yes. That that came out when I was a kid, and the Bernie Wrightson story is called The Crate, uh-huh. where there's this monster under the stairs in this box. Uh, seriously, was another thing that influenced oh, uh, yeah. the story. It, it, it just so much blood and scared the hell out of me too. <laughs> uh, it, it was just my parents eventually had to take it away. I was getting nightmares. Did you ever watch? Uh, I mean, you, you had to be a Tales from the Crypt guy then too, right? I mean, absolutely. A little bit. Uh, I, I prefer the movie, like the yeah. Tales from the Crypt, the Demon Knight. That was an awesome movie. Okay, no, that was good. And then um, it was a Creep Show. Creep Show was always one of my. You know that was definitely one of my things right there, but um, no, no, yeah, the creep, the creep show movie with the, had the story in it too. Uh, the comic book pretty much was exactly what the movie was. I think it's a side by side, same thing. Okay, yeah, that's. I mean, that's a definitely a good one. Now, what other, what other, um, you know, what other horror? Michael Myers, Freddy Krueger. I mean, where do you rank I those? Think, where do you rank those? Uh, where do I rank them? I don't know. Freddy. The first couple ones were pretty awesome. One. Two is okay. Three was, I think, my favorite, the Dream Warriors. But if you had to pick, the, if you had to pick between the, Freddy, Jason, or Michael Myers, wh- which one are you? Ooh, crap! Mm, that's a tough one. <laughs> as, to, well, as what? Like my favorite? Or yeah, well, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, which one are you? A Freddy guy, a Jason guy, or a Michael Myers guy? I don't know. They redid that the the Friday the Thirteenth movie a while ago, mm-hmm. and uh, I got to say that was just a lot of fun. Just watching Jason just go after people and slaughter something. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't even rooting for the kids anymore. You just like just kill them all. <laughs> go back to the original eighties. Let's go Friday the Thirteenth one through three, um, and uh, then go back to Nightmare on Elm Street one through three and Halloween one through three because those I think are like the seminal. Like you know, those are great. I mean, Nightmare on Elm Street one and three are amazing um friday the 13th was actually pretty cool because one was like you know it was his mom the whole time mm-hmm. and then it turned More out to, creepy. you know yeah. yeah and it wasn't him until two and it wasn't jason until three so you have that kind of like you know thing leading up but then you have halloween which was just you know the first freakily awesome. scary yeah, cla- that's the classic uh, slasher film and that's the that's jamie lee curtis you know in all yep. her glory <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> all right so real quick Talk to me about um, how can people actually find this Kickstarter? Like, where can they go, and how do they how do they actually locate it? And give them all the ways you, they can find this book. Uh, the best way is just to go to the Kickstarter site, and it should be on the main page. They picked it for uh, did they really? like one of the most. Uh, what did they say? They said like it was a. I've been selected as a project we love. Oh, get love out of project. here! That's pretty um, intense, man. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. So um, you can just go to the main page and look under comic books, and it should be right under there. Or when you go to the main Kickstarter page, just under search, just punch in Werewolf Run, and it'll pop right up. All right, so let's take a look at Werewolf Run here on Kickstarter. It's an awesome book. Um, again, for anybody who's just joining us, oh, yeah, there you are. You're right. Oh, boy, you're right there, Werewolf Run. A captured werewolf oh, yeah. escapes on its way to the lab, wreaking havoc in this four-issue series. Give me your best. Uh, we have New York Comic Con, obviously, and you're not going to be here for that, which we're very sad. Uh, yeah, I might. my wife and I are having our second baby next month, so uh, it's yeah. just getting a little too close to the due date and leaving my 
eight-month pregnant wife with our two-year-old isn't, yeah. like, for almost a whole week, probably isn't the good, best idea. See, we are burning the midnight oil in completely uh, different fashions these days, right? <laughs> mm, pretty much, pretty much. What was your, what was your convention, um, you know, goodie bag that you would have not goodie bag that's not really survival kit is what i'm looking for your con- see i'm picturing the, the bacardi 151 that was like that was always a staple of your convention survival kit because well, they go. charge you like twenty thousand dollars per drink <laughs> <laughs> but if you just have like if i have two of those i'm good for the whole night what was uh what was one of your best convention moments uh, and what actually what was your first favorite your favorite convention like what is your favorite convention um or now maybe, or maybe of all time because quite frankly uh, you know uh, I know the, I know what your answer is going to be because it's my answer also, but it doesn't exist in the same format. Uh, no, no, it doesn't. No, no. Was, I mean, uh, the the Wizard World Chicago show um, several years ago was just one of my favorite shows because there was nothing there. Everybody would go. And they would end up in Knuckles, that little bar. And oh, man, Knuckles. It was just so much fun, you know, and just hanging out, relaxing with everybody in the industry and talking to people. It was just a very fun atmosphere. Now, Knuckles isn't there anymore. Yeah. They they have, like, all this other... Have you been there recently? Uh, two, two years ago, I think. Two, three years ago. They have, like, the front see, bar now, like, the big front bar, right? But but that but outside of that, they have so much stuff right around the area. Right behind it, they opened up this big, like... I don't know, like just hangout area with bars and places to eat and stuff, which is cool. But every everybody just kind of disperses from there, and you <laughs> almost don't see anybody after that. <laughs> it, it, you know, it's it, it's a shame too because Wizard World Chicago was one of my favorite shows. The Wizard World shows now are just, I mean, completely different. I actually had a good experience still when I went uh, a couple years ago. I sold pretty well, but I've heard from a lot of creators that it's just like, oh my god. Like just, I, I think one of the it's just they're diluting the market too much by putting it almost every weekend in a different state, and yeah. it's just it, it's not special anymore. It's, I it's, know it's unfortunate because it, it used to be really fantastic shows. Do you think that the, the, the Comic Con bubble is going to burst, or has it burst already? Uh, it will at some point. Mm-hmm. The bottom probably will drop out at some point. I mean, Wizard didn't they put in a loss? Oh, like big loss, yeah. Mm-hmm. Big loss, because, I mean, they, they overextended oh. their reach. The other thing, too, I mean, and this is the thing, we have, uh, you know, near Comic-Con this week. Now, I'm really curious. I went to San Diego this year. It's the first time as an exhibitor in, like, 12 years. Uh, mm-hmm. And it, it, it didn't have the same electricity on the show floor. Uh, and that's partially because all the real big attractions moved outside the convention center. Amazingly enough, they started renting space behind the convention center and around the convention center. So uh. a, a lot of your big celebrity pushes, you know, you you still have your panels. Don't get me wrong. You have your Justice League panels. You have your Marvel panels. You have, mm. you know, things where celebrities would do signings and things like that. But I remember walking the floor as a professional years ago. It was every, like, every hour on the hour, there was just... Someone famous is going to be over here, and someone famous is going to be over here, and this, you know, this award-winning creator is going to be over here, and, you know, and it was just, there was, you know, I, I likened it to to this one comparison. I said to I said to James, who I, I share a booth with most of these shows, and I said, I'm going to go get a sandwich. And in 20 minutes, I went and got a sandwich and came back. And I'm like, that shouldn't happen. I, I should be gone. San Diego? Yeah. Yeah, I, that's, that's not the same show. That's not... I I remember going and yeah there definitely was an electricity I don't know I haven't been for years so I don't know how it is now but it might be dissipating. Brian Everham shouted out how is his favorite Wizard World memory not when he met me and the cap I mean it's true when he met the well, we we can't we we definitely have to give a shout out to Brian Everham and the cap um, <laughs> <laughs> those are some great things I remember also that one time at the, at the show you basically uh, you did a sketch for somebody and the guy like came back and he's like I don't like it. <laughs> once, once, <laughs> I that thing was burning my brain though, man. It happened. I drew this Superman, and I just kind of just started. So when people asked for sketches, I wasn't quite sure what to give them, and I gave it to him. He just looked so disappointed. I was like, crap. <laughs> you made up for it though. I thought. I think the. Uh, I think you ended up going like to town on it afterwards, which was really great. All right, we're gonna save the. Uh, story of Dan Riley saving you from falling over the escalator. Uh, come hang out with Dan Leister at a convention, I'm sure. Uh, that, what's your next convention that you're going to do next year? What do you think? So far, I've got uh, 
I signed up for C two E two in April. Okay. Um, have you heard I'm back not from 100% them yet? Hundred percent sure. What? Have you heard back from them yet? Um, I don't know. I had my head in the dirt. With no, because I haven't either. I signed up for that too. I haven't heard back yet, so I'm very curious to see if we get tables. But all right, so C two E two. I'll be at New York Comic Con. Come hang out with us because we're awesome people and we like to have fun at these conventions. Um, one more time, Dan. Werewolf Run. Give us the thirty second pitch and where to find it. Werewolf Run is about a werewolf that is captured by a corporate entity, and on the trip back to the lab, everything goes horribly wrong. You can find it on Kickstarter. Just look up Werewolf Run. Awesome. Dan, thank you so much. I will uh, congrats to you and your lovely wife, Joe, and uh, obviously to your two-year-old, whose name is Bishop, by the way, named after yep. the alien character. <laughs> Yeah, not the Marvel. No, no, that's how that, <laughs> that but, would be. Uh, we're gonna segue. That's. A, I wanted to give you a quick thank you, Mike, for just all the work you've given me, uh, editing, lettering, and everything. Just helping me throughout the whole thing. I really appreciate it, man. You got it, man. Anytime. All right, Dan Leister. When we come back, we're gonna talk Ben freaking Affleck. We're gonna go sp- spinning the racks, talking about Ben Affleck, Tim Burton, and we'll get back to Luke Cage when we come back. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Hi, this is Rob Kay. And I'm Callie Alpert. And we're hosts of The Rob and Callie Show. Are you looking for a show that talks about real stuff like life, love, the pursuit of being yourself? Then you have come to the right place because we cover topics ranging from chivalry to gratitude to your relationship with money and everything in between. So listen to us on The Rob and Callie Show Tuesdays, 8 to 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on talkradio.myc. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Welcome back to Secrets of the Sire. We do this every week, TalkingAlternative.com. We talk movies, comics, movies. Go check out Dan's Kickstarter. It's awesome. I did do the editing and the lettering on it, but uh, regardless of that, it's it's still awesome. Dan's artwork is made for horror comics. He worked on Hackslash for Image. Uh, he did Return to Wonderland at Zenoscope, so he did a lot of great things. Uh, and he is awesome at conventions, so uh, as Brian Everham, who's streaming us right now on Facebook, and The Cap can attest to. Uh, Dan, Dan is just a whole lot of fun. He's a good guy. Uh, so all good stuff there. All right, we're going to go spinning the racks. We do this every week. We're going to do a double dose of spinning the racks because it's the funniest thing, too. Like, the comic book news just pops up all the time. We have Wolverine 3 has a title. Um, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, but it's not that exciting. It's just called Logan. It's called Logan because it's, it's, it's not old man Logan either, um, which is interesting. But I do want to get into that um, shortly. But first, uh, do you want your name shouted on the interwebs? Go to michaeldolce.com. It'll take you to our Patreon page. Donate a quarter show, and I'll give you a shout-out on the air like I did today uh, to all of our producers, executive producers, program directors, you know, all the people that are supporting our show. We love it. Welcome at Kristen Alexis. Welcome at Espada Primera Stark, who's an awesome loyal listener, and at Jersey Jedi, who's always here, and he's also an EP as well. He can he can attest to the benefits of the uh, of being on the inside. All right, Ben Affleck reviews Batman versus Superman: Dawn of Justice. So, ComicBook.com had this article. By the way, I don't know what ComicBook.com is paying Facebook, but every t- every comic book related story, ComicBook.com is like the first website that comes up. So, hey, whatever it is. Anyway, uh, after the failure of Daredevil and the career resurrection as an acclaimed and ultimately Academy Award winning director, superstar actor Ben Affleck took on the role of Batman. Um, now the internet obviously disapproved, but uh, he proved everyone wrong because he was 
probably the best part of that. Um, fans were split on the film with opinions running the gamut from calling it a masterpiece. That's really, I don't know, maybe like three fans. I know Nevin Frederick, who uh, listens to our show, big Batman v Superman fan. He's a big DC guy, though. I think he's, I think he's a little bit of a cheerleader on that one, but that's okay. We love that guy. Um, to absolutely hating it, the ultimate cut and extended R-rated cut that was released for the home entertainment market fared better, but by then the perception was pretty much that the film was a failure. Um, entertainment journalist Kevin McCarthy got to ask and Affleck's answer, while a little clumsy, is thoughtful and seems to indicate that he both liked the film and is aware... Uh, of where its critics are coming from. Uh, it's interesting. It was a huge hit movie. More people went to see it than any movie I've made in my career. It was the biggest hit of my career, and then it had so much editorial negativity. Fans went, and I got a lot of positive response. It was interesting, that movie, because it was judged not necessarily on execution so much as tone. People seem to want to have a lighter tone to the movie, and I thought that was interesting. Tone is not a qualitative thing. It's subjective, right? Some tones resonate with me that might not with you. And the tone of the movie was really parallel to the Frank Miller book, Dark Knight Returns. That's what it was based off of, which I liked and thought was great. I'm glad that so many people went and so many people liked the movie. Well, I don't know if so many people liked the movie, but a lot of people definitely went. No question about that. Uh, Put on the spot, asked whether or not he liked it. Affleck said, yeah, 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 I loved it. I'm sure. I'm sure he. Uh, you know. I mean, what are you gonna say? What are you gonna say? Like, you're you're basically like, hey, you know, that 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 piece of art that you were a part of, that really wasn't very good. Did you like it? Oh, I loved it. I I loved it. It was great. It was great. I could do a better job directing because I'm Ben Affleck and I'm a better. I'm an Oscar winner now. Zack Snyder is not an Oscar winner. Uh, Suicide Squad now in theaters. Wonder Woman coming out. So hey, look. We've said this before on the show. Um, oh, how about these clown sightings we just got from at Kristen Allen? That is, well, that's definitely not, well, maybe it's pop culture. I don't even know. Yeah, there's just like this clown internet hoax thing going on. Ben Affleck is one of those clowns, by the way. He's dressing up. No, I'm, no Sam, I'm just kidding. Ben Affleck is not. But maybe he is because it's a clown. You can't see who's underneath those clown masks. Um, no, look, we've talked about Ben Affleck before. He completely resurrected his career uh, and and... Yes, we all kind of like rolled our eyes when we heard that he was going to be in the Batman movie uh, as Batman because Daredevil was terrible and you're just kind of like picturing you're like, but he he knocked it out of the park. So everything about that franchise, he is like the positive too. I mean, Wonder Woman was great too. Superman, I don't mind the casting of Superman. I think some people have problems with Henry Cavill. I don't. He looks like Superman. He's good. He just needs to stop like being like, you know, Angel. Uh, he needs to stop brooding so much and being like so down. He's like, damn, I'm Superman. That sucks. No, it doesn't suck. You're Superman. You're super freaking man. It doesn't suck. Uh, no, but Ben Affleck definitely, definitely gets uh, the big thumbs up all the time. All right. We uh, also want to talk about Wolverine. It got a, it got a, um, a title. So it's going to be called Logan. It's not going to be Old Man Logan. This is the funny thing about the Wolverine title. If this was 10 years ago, I'm flipping out over any X-Men movie. Why? Because X-Men are like the biggest thing on the planet. Fast forward 10 years later, Marvel has killed that franchise. They've killed it. And they did it because they don't own the rights to the movies. Now, they're, they basically... I can picture the executive offices with like Joe Quesada and, and um, Dan Buckley. And Dan Buckley's probably asking like, what's the difference between an inhuman and a mutant? And Joe Quesada's like, well, mutant's born with it. An inhuman... It's born with it, but it gets activated. Well, what about a mutant? Well, it just eventually happens like puberty, so it gets activated. Yeah, so it's like they're born with it and it gets activated. So they're exactly the same. Let's just make Inhumans the new mutants. We own Inhumans. Let's make that the biggest thing we possibly can make. And F the rest of that. We'll, we'll ruin the franchise. They'll give back the rights. And then we'll make X-Men big again. Because, I mean, look, at the bottom line, X-Men was like the biggest comic book when I was a kid. I mean, it's the biggest... I mean, Wolverine, people have... I mean. Wolverine tattoos are like rampant. Now, the only thing that's a feather in Fox's cap is Deadpool, which I watched again over the weekend because it was on HBO. Still think it was like okay. Like I, I kind of stopped watching it midway through because I was like, hey, you know, there's only so much of Ryan Reynolds I can take. I like Ryan Reynolds, but you know, they do have Deadpool in their in their hat. Uh, but it's 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 just it's an interesting thing to note that Wolverine ten years ago. The most popular character, badass in, in X Men in two thousand, and now it's like, yeah, Wolverine movie. Who cares? Moving on. All right, when we come back, Tim Burton is a racist, right? Ding, 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 ding,
You are listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you into comics, movies, and pop culture at large? What about music and TV? Then you're in for a treat. This is Michael Dolce, your host on TalkingAlternative.com. I've been professionally writing comic books, screenplays, and music articles for almost 15 years. Catch my show, Secrets of the Sire, at its new primetime slot, Wednesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and get the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. For more info, go to SecretsOfTheSire.com. TalkingAlternative.com Welcome back to Secrets of the Sire. We do this every week, TalkingAlternative.com. We had a great show tonight. Uh, we had Dangerous Dan Leister talking about Werewolf Run, which is an awesome Kickstarter. Go check it out. It's really great. Uh, we've been talking Luke Cage. We just talked Ben Affleck. Talked Wolverine 3. And now we're going to talk about Tim Burton, that filthy, dirty racist. Uh, mob mentality. Got to have diversity. You got to be with the masses. If you don't, you're a racist. We've talked about this ad nauseum, but I, I love talking about this. So Tim Burton... Uh, recently uh, made a movie, you know, because he does that from time to time. Uh, Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. And he got asked why it's basically like an all-white cast, with the exception of Samuel L. Jackson, who plays the villain. I don't know if that means anything or doesn't mean anything, or just means that Samuel L. Jackson is in yet another movie. I mean, he's in every single movie that, you know, he's like the Gene Hackman of the 1990s through 2000, uh, you know, 16. Any PCU fans out there, I know Brian Phillips is a big PCU fan, uh, will appreciate that little uh, reference but here's the thing so he basically they ask him you know why is there not any diversity and he kind of laughs and shrugs it off and then he kind of says something stupid and I don't think it's stupid in what he says the content of it but it's stupid for him saying it. he's got to know better he says I watched a lot of black exploitation films as a kid I never asked why are there there should be more white people in this <laughs> so he was essentially uh, we're not going to protest at Jersey Jedi chiming in um, yeah I, you know Look, at the end of the day, Tim Burton should know better. Don't be honest. Don't say what you feel. Stick to the company line. It's a huge... It, look, he could have just gotten up there. I'm a huge proponent of diversity. But in this case, it's based on a 1940s novel set in Wales, England. And an orphanage where, I guess there was, you know, peculiar children. But they were white because they were in England. It was 1940s, post-World War II. Uh, I didn't want to alter the source material. You could just be very bland. Just be very bland. Because unfortunately, this is the kind of society we live in right now. Uh, don't say things like black exploitation films. Um, I mean, you can say it if you're if you're like the director of Luke Cage and you were inspired by them. That's okay. You're allowed to do that. Don't be honest and frank because that's not how you spin the social justice warriors in your favor. I mean, look, this is it. One slip of the tongue, your career achievements will be stricken from the record. I mean, that's just point blank, right? Tim Burton's made some legendary films. And now all of a sudden you got people looking at them going, hey, wait a minute. Edward Scissorhands didn't have any black people in it. And, uh, you know, the original Batman, why didn't he cast a Latino Catwoman? Why, why did it have to be a white one? I know they're not really doing this, but... You get my point. I mean, all of a sudden he, well, now that, well, that's because we have, you know, a powerful listenership that does everything I say and then they will go out and, and do this now. But no, I mean, all of a sudden now he could be worse than Bill Cosby. He could be worse than Joe Paterno from Penn State. I mean, all it takes is one slip up. Couldn't been sarcasm. He's right. Have you seen Black's Dynamite action and live action? No, no, he's right. Don't get me wrong. Like, his point is my point, and I agree 100% with his point. Not everything has to be altered to fit this new model of diversity. But you can't say it now. You just can't. And, and a lot of people sit there and go, ah, oh, that, that's not right, and that's not the way it should be, and that's not, you know, I agree it's not the way it should be. I think PC mentality is censorship. And I think, quite frankly, you know, 
these people that kind of gang up on social media on these on anybody for saying something or anything. You know, I love I'd love to have people like that on the show. They can come on and debate. Well, you know, but they'll have to pick up a phone to do it. See, and they'd have to actually talk and have a dialogue. But no one wants to do that. They want to post their comment. They want to post their you know. I for one can't stand Tim Burton. Now I will never watch a Tim Burton film ever again. Tim Burton is clearly a racist. Tim Burton clearly doesn't get it. You know the quote. He doesn't get it. You know, as as a as a this female and as a as a that male. I I believe, guys, get off it. Look, honestly, it's set in 1940s England. You know, we get it. It, it not everything has to have one person from every race to do it. And look, Luke Cage, predominantly black. See how we get this all full circle? Predominantly black cast. No one's sitting there saying. Everyone's saying this is a step in the right direction. You know, and. I get it in the sense of yes, they're making strides with ta- with Luke Cage. They are like it is a popular show featuring a predominantly African. Well, I, can we say black? I don't even know. A predominantly African American cast or predominantly black cast. Cottonmouth is is amazing in it. Misty Knight is fantastic. That actress, she is like super sexy, super interesting, great, and, and she's obviously she's actually getting the best reviews out of all the cast. I think Mike Coulter does a great job. But again, we sit there and say all black cast great this is a step in the right direction all white cast tim burton's a racist there is a double standard and it sucks tim burton's just got to be smarter he's got to be smarter when he's out there he's been a director long enough you don't want to just say the wrong thing at the wrong period in history and now have every work you've ever done look you know judged based on today's standards because that's the other thing too i don't think people realize this too i don't think like the 14 year olds growing up who are on snapchat constantly or the you know 18 year old college kids or 20 year old college kids you know you don't rewrite history i mean you you i guess you can the winners always do i mean look we're looking we're going oh look we are talking politics how about that no i mean you know you 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 don't rewrite history people growing up in a time when in the 80s and 70s and 90s, look, opportunities weren't there for, for people of color, for, for diversity. They just weren't. And people grew up, it, it wasn't an expectation. It wasn't even a thought. It wasn't even a thought. In the 90s, it started to become a thought. Um, that was the original PC movement. You know, It started making strides for these different things. And there's nothing wrong with that either. There's nothing wrong with, hey, let's get representation in here. Let's get you know the best characters in here that we can. It's just a question of like, look, Tim Burton's old school. He's not thinking these things. Like he's not thinking. Like I need a, I need to have an Asian, a Latino, a black character. I need to have, you know, we need to diversify this up. Look, would it have made the film good or bad? I, it probably wouldn't even have been a blip on the radar um, had he done it. But he's just got to be smarter about it. I mean, there's also, you know, the thought that the uh, predominantly, you know, white cast just doesn't pull in the money anymore. And that's something he'll he'll think about. And they do they look they have statistics that show now people want to see, you know, you know they they credit a lot of diversity for increased sales at movies, increased, excuse me, increased like you know activity on social media, this and that. So you know he'll learn that that's actually can be used to his advantage. I'm not gonna say it's a good thing. I we're not a fan of forced diversity on the show. We're not a fan of rewriting characters. We're not a fan of race swapping. And it's not a question of you know, we're racists or bigots or whatever the case is. No, we're just, look, I like seeing new characters be created that are awesome. I think the Luke Cage series is a prime example of that. I'm glued to it. I think it's awesome. Like, it's amazing. And yeah, it's a, it's also amazing that now you can have a show like this because you wouldn't, have, again, 20 years ago, you wouldn't have a show like Luke Cage on the air. You wouldn't have the guns, the violence, the predominantly Harlem-esque. Now, and, and we're actually a stone's throw from Harlem where our studio is. Our studio's in 72nd Street, Harlem's about 50 blocks up. But I mean, I actually was taking the train through Harlem. So I actually walked those streets that Luke Cage was doing um, a couple of couple of months ago. And, and it was cool. Like it was it was like seeing the scenery and all that. Uh, it's 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 got a great vibe to it. It's got a great everything. So yes, you can you can have both a step in the right direction and you can also not crucify something for not having diversity too. I mean, let's just let's just be smarter here, people. All right. I want to know what you guys think. Um, you know, we're wrapping up the show. Before we wrap up the show though, too, um, you know, let me know what you think about uh Luke Cage. Where does it fit? 
in the uh, in the trio now of Net Marvel Netflix universe. Are you excited for Defenders? Are you excited for Iron Fist? Because I'm actually now looking forward to Iron Fist as well. Uh, they just announced the release date. It'll be in March. March 2017 will be Iron Fist. And also, something of note, um, my engineer Sam passed along. Netflix actually was crashed a little bit when Luke Cage aired. Uh, and they are obviously kind of kind of hinting that Luke Cage was the reason. And I don't I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. I, I'm so curious. We had uh, at Joe Mulvey, who we'll be interviewing tomorrow at the Comics Tribe booth. He chimed in on Twitter, and he's like, I would love to know the numbers for those Marvel Netflix shows. Like, I would love to know, you know, what ratings they're getting. And they kind of release it here and there. I mean, House of Cards is supposed to be a huge show, and Orange is the New Black. I mean, they have shows on there that get good ratings, but we don't know what that means. And in the context of streaming, we don't know what that means either. I mean, what is good ratings? Good ratings is, I don't know, we have, you know, 50 million subscribers and 10 million subscribers watched an episode, you know? And and the binge format, too, is completely different. So, you know, the only thing you can say is that if Netflix Netflix crashed, you might be onto something there. All right, so I want to I thank uh, Dan Leister for jumping on. He did a great job, and uh, he is awesome. So if you get a chance to ever see him at a convention, go up to him, give him a big hug and kiss. Uh, he is uh, just, he's just great. He's just a great human being and a great artist. Um, go to kickstarter.com, uh, type in Werewolf Run. It's one of the comics that they love, which is great. Um, and uh, it's a cool werewolf slasher film. It's got some cool twists to it. I know because I'm on the inside. Some good stuff as well. What's that? Oh, well, it'll be a film soon. Yeah, it's a comic book. Sorry. Well, there's a there's a video there too. Uh, I'm just getting geared up. We're we're excited. This is the first of back to back shows. So next week, no, next week, tomorrow, tomorrow night. If you couldn't get tickets to the biggest con of the year, no sweat, you can join us. We broadcast live from the Comics Tribe booth on the show floor, New York Comic Con. Come. Come say hi. It'll be at the end of the show, but it'll be the end of the actual Comic-Con show, but you can always stay, say hi. Come in costume. I'd love to see the best costumes. Uh, I can actually probably, if you, if you come hit me up at my booth, 1166 in small press, come check, come check me out around 6 o'clock. Maybe I'll bring you over and we'll, join, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll bring you on the show. And uh, Brian Everham tweeted in real quick. I finished it. I really liked it. I felt it did kind of drag a few of the later episodes, but I enjoyed it. It's a complete season. I like season one of Daredevil better. I don't disagree with that. I think season one of Daredevil was just flat out amazing and didn't drag on. The one thing with Luke Cage before we go, I'm curious to see. So I'm up to episode three where Cottonmouth seemingly does away with the seemingly does away with him. Not to spoil anything for you, Sam. I'm just wondering, you know, the guy can't be killed because he's got indestructible skin. Like, where does the conflict eventually end? Like, he's going to get Cottonmouth at some point. So I'm really curious to see how that all kind of plays out. So, all right, we'll be watching. You'll be listening tomorrow night, 7 p.m., live from the Comics Tribe booth. This has been Secrets of the Sire. Good night. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Hello, I'm JC. I'm Joan. And, and welcome, welcome to, to 21st, 21st Century Entrepreneur. Entrepreneur. We bring education, insight, knowledge, awareness, trouble, craziness, and fun for you, the entrepreneur who's looking to build your business and your community. Listen every Friday from noon to 1 Eastern on talkradio.nyc. And you can tweet us at 21st CE Radio or Talk Alternative. Hey, all you crazy listeners, looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at talkingalternative.com. Are you into comics, movies, and pop culture at large? What about music and TV? Then you're in for a treat. This is Michael Dolce, your host on talkingalternative.com. I've been professionally writing comic books, screenplays, and music articles for almost 15 years. Catch my show, Secrets of the Sire, at its new primetime slot, Wednesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and get the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. For more info, go to secretsofthesire.com. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. 
at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Hi, this is Rob Kay. And I'm Callie Alpert. And we're hosts of The Rob and Callie Show. Are you looking for a show that talks about real stuff like life, love, the pursuit of being yourself? Then you have come to the right place because we cover topics ranging from chivalry to gratitude to your relationship with money and everything in between. So listen to us on The Rob and Callie Show Tuesdays, 8 to 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on talkradio.myc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network, 